another episode of the Vatpani Viewpoint podcast. My name is Manali Shah and joining us today is an absolute doyen of India's business landscape. Harish Mehta is the co-founder and first elected chairman of NASCOM, the founder of Onward Technologies and now also the author of a best-selling book called The Maverick Effect. Mr. Mehta, it's an absolute honor to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Manila. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to share my views here. Great. So let's get straight to the conversation. Tell us a little bit about the Maverick Effect. It chronicles the beginning and the rise of India's IT revolution. Uh, NASCOM has played such a crucial part in it. It's known as the industry body that gave wings to the IT revolution. It's your debut book and it's a bestseller as well. And I believe it has been three years in the making. So I'd love to hear more about the book from you. The book talks about uh... We can say how the fortunes of billion people change. That is a, and I I put my stake on the ground in the book saying it is the IT industry uh, that changed the fortunes of billion people, and uh, IT industry also changed, grew. Again, I so I'm saying it is thanks to the role that NASCOM played in uh, making the entire environment in such a way that the IT industry. Uh, could grow at that rate, and then this book is about, uh, as I call it, secret sauce of NASCOM. That what is it that NASCOM has done? What are the values and the best practices that NASCOM has adopted that allowed the IT industry to grow and in turn uh, change the fortunes of a billion people? Because today we do talk about India as an unstoppable engine, driven by let's say startup world. So that's the message behind the book. And what prompted you to write it? What prompted me? Okay, that's a good question. In a sense that uh, I think maybe four or five years back, my daughter-in-law Natasha, she would I mean she would at the home I talk about the great thing NASCOM is doing. So she said well, we are talking about it, but I don't think the market knows about it. No one writes about it. No one. Talks about it. I took her comment seriously. So that then looked at the books published by leading public sector uh, executives or officers, RBI governors, politicians, and the, I looked at the index page. Is the word NASCOM there? I was shocked. Not a single book had NASCOM as a in the index. Then I looked at technology as a word. Maybe one or two books had some reference here and there about the technology world, and I said, here are these individuals who were on top of the bureaucratic or the political uh, world in India for the last 30, 40 years, and they just don't know what is happening underneath partly. So now there is an African proverb which says that if the lions had historians, the stories of hunting would not have glorified the hunters. Right. So if nobody has written the story about NASCOM. No one knows about it. Now, I, for example, just as I said a little before, two minutes before, that look back where India was, say 32 years back, when NASCOM started, we were known as a third world country. We were known as a snake charmers country. We had no foreign exchange. We were bankrupt, as a matter of fact. In '91, India had to mortgage gold. To Bank of England to pay for some dollars for an import of oil at that time, 
now from that situation to today with a larger population and we are seeing uh, uh, let's say unstoppable engine india has become india has become a global tech powerhouse as it is being positioned and look at some numbers it industry earn more than trillion dollars of foreign exchange over the last 20 years now last year industry earned 175 billion dollars and by the way this number is more than what saudi arabia earns as a in oil in export from saudi arabia the difference is in saudi arabia the money goes in one account while in india the money to thousands of companies goes in millions of accounts and millions many today industry employs 5.3 million software engineers these are high paying high disposable income jobs each job or each person indirectly employs four to five additional people in the society so if you look at that total number and they take an average family of four our industry today supports twice the population of uk now look at the cultural the seeds of cultural transformation our industry has planted there was a time when uh, today iit bombay the bombay's gardener's son became a software engineer and he became a software engineer because what he knew and what he studied not because he knew someone to get a job he knew software he appeared for the test and he got the job that meritocracy has been being injected by our industry in the country look at women employment today out of 5.3 37% of women employees 2 million women employees now just imagine if these women who are getting high disposable income the freedom they enjoy financial freedom they enjoy at home how they're going to bring up their children how they're going to contribute at the work how they're going to change the community they live in to me it's a silent revolution taking place behind absolutely so now that's the sort of contribution of of the industry at a, some cultural values besides hard working and delivering quality work and so on and so forth look at the transparency or the corporate governance standards employed by the industry um, industry was the first to come up with following the world corp- governance standards in let's say quarterly reports and the annual reports which started building trust in india as a brand as a trusted nation and the fdi money started flowing in of course starting with it industry now across all the industry uh, sectors so that kind of revolutionary in my view change has been impacted by the it industry i could not find any other industry segment in the country which has contributed in the last say 40 years or 30 years other industries that have contributed substantially part i would say were indirectly supported by it industry in a sense let's say wherever the company comes up the real estate would put up residences where the employees will buy the apartments there retail malls will come up because they have capacity to buy if they were driving a scooter they start driving a car buying through emi and what not now emi and other schemes came from the banking industry and the banking industry group similarly airports group got expanded uh, similarly 
people from tier 2 cities to tier 3 started coming in tier 1 cities started so all that change has been brought in by the industry i didn't find really any other industry segment so that's why i put my claim on the book saying uh it is the industry that has changed india and that's what this biodic effect book is about absolutely the industry has had such a domino effect on yeah. shaping india's course um so i'd like to know what the process of putting together the book was like because you are going back several decades uh, i'm not an author i'm not an historian and i'm not an economist but this book had to highlight all three aspects in a sense if i put my claim on the ground saying it industry change in india it has to be backed up by economic numbers if we create a new middle class it has to be backed up it is a definitely industry right. create the new middle class in the country similarly it's a if i want to document the history of nascom how nascom made change to it industry now it industry change in india it needed to i had to capture the history of last 30 32 years and it had to be captured in a way like an historian otherwise there's no real fun about it and the third is disclosing the secret sauce of nascom so i said how do i tackle this job is like startup in a way you have an idea and now you want to go and implement it so you have an idea of writing a book so like any as a startup entrepreneur would do i did the research about what is a good book argument said who are the authors whom i really like and whose writings i like or the books i like i talked to some of them understood from them uh, what does a what does make book uh, look good i mean reader appreciate see in india nobody frankly nobody buys books nobody reads books those days are gone as such but the, this document had to be prepared indirectly as a story which is interesting for people to Read. So, like that, there is a one uh, what we call guideline or a best practice in story writing: that show but not tell. Yes. So you follow that. So, like that, I collected those best practices, and now I said I need to put a whole team together of economists, researchers, uh, writers. Okay, I'm a. I believe I'm. I was a programmer myself years back. So I'm a. I'm good at details, and I can. I'm a good coder or something. Good micromanager that way. So that kind of comfort, comfort and confidence I had. So I put the whole team together, and my daughter-in-law Natasha. I said, "You be the CEO or a project in charge of this." And over a time, we had six, seven people involved in writing the book. Of course, then there were lots of ups and downs. Covid came in between, so that put in a, a big break. plus by design i wanted to just go away from what i have written and go back after 3 weeks 4 weeks and take a fresh look so all, all that we did and then like a programmer in a way you can say i make one change in one chapter somewhere i'll see that uh, it is impacting at several other places in the book so it's not like a like a spaghetti board in a way but you have to fix it so there has to be a consistency of flow in what you say the choice of words and we use number of software tools frankly to improve the quality or the readability of the book 
there are software products which measures the complexity of the uh, page or a chapter or a what not so you decide where you want to put your level and what level of reader you expect and based on that you change so things like for example even you if you write one dollar, you write one numeric and a dollar, or you write O-N-E and one dollar. O-N-E one dollar is a simpler reading. The one as a character, it makes it a little harder to read. So like this is a starting point to and bring in all those changes, including like we counted high and the software tells you how often the word NASCOM is used. So maybe it's a 1200 times. So let's bring it down to 200 or the word technology. Like that, we continuously we worked on the book from 15 different angles to improve the uh, readability and the impact that the reader should get coming out of the book without compromising on show but not tell sort of uh, principles. And, and but we didn't have, we had no idea. We didn't know the outcome from that perspective of uh, our expectations are much lower because we were told nobody buys the books and so on and so forth. And it turned out that the people loved the book. Became, as you just said, instant uh, bestseller and within a few months became national bookseller. Even after a year, the book is going very strong. So I'm very happy with the outcome that would be got out of the book. Yes, it's been very well received. I was curious to know whether you reached out to any of your peers uh, while recalling certain incidents from a few uh, decades or years ago for some details or their account of how things See, went they, down. If, if, if the book has to have a place in the history, one thing was very clear to me, and which again I read and understood, and I said we must follow that. It has to be truthful. There was a Gujarati writer named Gunman Shah. He said that if you are not truthful and you have to assume you are walking naked on the street, the book will be only read by a few of your friends and colleagues and whatnot. But if it is truthful, society will read. So in this book, we have gone to, you can say, miles in that from efforts to see that every sentence is a truthful statement. So people who were, luckily most of the people who were involved in the street are alive today. Every one of them read the book before it was published. So they all verified, I won't say verified, but they went through it, gave their comments, what they say. Again, you're writing what happened 35 years back. I have a habit of writing personal notes. It helped me to reconstruct, but still, may not be a proper recollection. So collected the views of everybody, put them together, and it came out, including the critics of NASCO. They also reviewed the book. So one of the critics reviewed the book, he gave me 32 suggestions. Oh, wow. And simple things like, I had said that digital equipment or joint venture went public at BSC and NSC. He came back saying, Mr. Mehta, NSC didn't exist in 1988. Now, we, we never, so writing, you write both BSC and NSC, not realizing when NSC took birth, for example. So we corrected that. I think one of very, another interesting statement was, I had a statement which said India mortgage gold. 
during Narsimharao's government's time. He came back and said, that's, that's not a true statement. I, I said, no, look at my research team's work. I sent in the Economic Times article, Times of India articles, with the headline saying India sending gold to New England, or Bank of England and all. In the evening, he came back and he said, Mr. Mehta, you're still wrong. He said, I called uh, Yashwan Sina, who was then Finance Minister of India. And Finance Minister, his first reaction was on the subject. Because I am the one, Yashwan Sina and Chandra Shekhar had signed that agreement to mortgage gold from India to a Bank of England. It's after that our government fell, the first batch was airlifted at that time and the second batch was airlifted during Narasimharao's time. So what you say is partly right, that's not how it happened. So I corrected that statement. But now, now that sentence is no relevant to the book as such. But from the reader's perspective, if they start suspecting even one sentence wrong, then they start suspecting maybe many more things could be wrong also. So we collected that. So we put in that sort of meticulous effort in every way to make sure that the book is as close to truth as possible. And so I tell you, not a single suggestion I have received, except one, I think, where there is a correction needed in the book. Okay. I think it's very important for today's youth uh, and especially entrepreneurs in all fields to know about uh, this part of India's history and about the role NASCOM has played as well. So, uh, moving on. Manali, I... The point only you see is the way the book was done, like a pro- like a startup in a way. Yeah. All the I found it fascinating. Bringing the management team together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We didn't have a very KRAs and goals that way. Except a simple yeah. goal was that it has to be a successful book. In our eyes, there was no real standard for us to compare with in terms of, and there was no financial measurement either. But right. overall, as we say, you try to excel in the best that whatever you do, the results will be there, will come automatically. So that's a very important, I would say, learning for me as well as hopefully for others. If you put in your best effort, chances are great that it will reach the end that you're trying to reach. Yeah, and I also believe that the book has a lot of uh, personal uh, anecdotes from you. So what uh, prompted you to include like personal details in the book? It's almost like a biography in some ways. Yeah, it's it's, it's the pieces only of my biography in a sense that. See, when I decided to put a stake on the ground, if I don't put it in my biography and let's say in my way of saying it, uh, I didn't want anyone to challenge. I say, if you don't agree with what I say, you write a book. If I am putting a stake on my on the ground saying IT industry change, India and ASCOM change IT industry, you don't agree, you write a book on it. These are my views and I'm giving you my stories. Let the reader decide what is the real stuff behind it. Now, I read a book, lots of books and then I always find a lot of things missing in terms of the context. Like every Harvard Business article or every management article, somebody, you like something great, but then, you, but then you realize you don't know the full context. So is it really applicable to your environment? If you do not know the context, I don't know how is it applicable to you. So here also I realized that if I don't tell the readers what is in my mind, 
how who am i and how i wrote this and how i when nascom started from my office what was going through my mind at that point when the nascom was started and what all the challenges were there so if i give them my views at least the reader has some sense of what must be going through and hope and then hopefully reach some decision on it so the idea was to bring in that personal piece to add uh, substance or such a or sort of validation to the point that i was putting in uh, so as i was saying uh, 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 let's go back to when you launched nascom uh, what were sort of the challenges that you faced back then those were the days going back to 80s we are talking about 1988 when we started uh, nascom at that time the science was of technology policies were decided by the scientists and the educationists as the gatekeepers for this industry in india now so they had a certain vision and they believed more in you can call it self reliance or made in india type of uh, thinking india to develop india to own and what not now for them business was a different opportunity that was not their idea of expertise so they wanted us to be in hardware business they wanted us to be in a software product business because those are the two segments as businesses were more now some of us had dabbled into the product game and we had failed we realized there are 18 challenges in a, to be successful in a product game in india simple thing like copyright in india we believe in right to copy not in copyright now and plus we have very weak enforcement and a very weak judiciary so why should anyone do a product development at a 50000 feet level in terms of not getting support from judiciary or enforcement is one level second is at product level also if, if your customers are, if your others are going to copy pirate it and there how are you going to ultimately monetize your investment plus apart from other challenges the product engineering and product architecture and all that so we realized india is just not ready for product uh, game but we saw opportunity in opportunity in services like i before i when i came back to india in 1977 i was a database manager at travelers insurance company at hartford connecticut now what i was doing sitting in a cubicle in a hartford connecticut i could do the same work sitting in mumbai and another cubicle all i needed was a communication pipe landing into the uh, travelers insurance company's data center have access to those applications databases and that computer i can do the same work and i would get paid for 115 at that time 15 times differential so there's a great offshoring opportunity for tech services that we could see and then there were reports from idg and others saying the total outsourcing market is 300 billion dollars so pi was phenomenal but without the pi you can't do anything very little you send your people abroad and they work at the customer premises that's very limited it's very limited by visas and plus all other challenges so offshoring had to be uh, as a model has to develop that required number of policy changes we had counter at that time not only the communication challenges 
but import challenges of let's say state of the art computers or software educational institutes cannot import the state of the art computers so they can't develop people around it to reserve bank don't know what you are doing as a in software marketing or exports or services because like uh, when i go abroad for marketing i'll go from bombay to london to new york and back and my prospect says no no come after a week so i change my itinerary within a week reserve bank will reserve bank will issue a summons to me not someone was saying notice saying please come and see us within every seven days you go and show up and you are treated like a, as if you ran some crime or what because they think that and what are you exporting software services they didn't understand so they always thought we use the very high hard earned foreign exchange by the country in spending it for personal pleasure in going to visiting london and new york and back they just didn't understand so, so they wanted to know why what and so and so forth so income tax department they will not allow your marketing expenses as an expense what are you exporting so it's like that software was not defined anywhere in the any wherever it was defined in a very different way so like that we counted to 150 or 100 plus let's say regulations strangulating the services business software services business. so that's where we said we need to form an association to work at this changes to be done plus we realized that we have to we studied other associations their constitutions and their we learned from their experience it do's and don't which you all we brought into the nascom also and we said none of them were focused on building the ecosystem which in our business we knew one thing that technology will keep changing so we will have to remain focused on building the ecosystem for see that all these changes get uh, incorporated so day one we started focusing on building the ecosystem and as well as lobbying as one of the major leg uh, of the nascom that's how that the nascom started great and uh, the rest as we know it is history yeah <laughs> but then there are many such changes where nascom was different which we can talk later yeah yes definitely so the uh, it revolution that uh, india saw in the 80s and then so 90s uh, it's sort of the precursor to the startup revolution that we're witnessing right now did you foresee that sort of uh, revolution coming about I don't think so. No, we didn't. I, frankly, when we started, our vision was not at all at uh, what will happen. But what we knew is, like I was in USA in 1988. I can say India was at least 15 years behind in technology. By the time we get going and whatnot, the gap was increasing, not reducing. You had no foreign exchange in '91, so that much vision we all had. The USA already is so advanced. From if you look at the military product, defense products, which they had at that time, uh, to like travelers insurance company, the computerization that has taken place in an insurance company, and all other different uh, segments, and the retails, and we can see the impact of technology across the society. So we knew that we will definitely, at some point, that change will bring it. but whether it will be as a startup i don't think uh, yes we were very close to in 93 we came to know once we got 
like I had a joint venture with Novel, Onward Novel, started in '92, and they were based in Silicon Valley and uh, Utah. So Kanwal Rikhi was in Silicon Valley, who came on my uh, company as a, a director. Similarly, Eric Smith, who was the chairman of NASCOM, came as a chairman of Onward Novel in India. So we got exposed to Silicon Valley that way, and we started knowing. But that was, I would say, maybe five, seven years later after we started NASCOM. Okay. And then we could see what is happening there. So in that sense, whether India is ready, we were not sure. That took another 15 years because without internet, we were nowhere. Right. The internet itself had, so we as a NASCOM had uh, coined a phrase, Roti Kapra Makan and three megabits of bandwidth per citizen. Oh, wonderful. Back to 95, 96 probably. At that time, the telecom minister said, bandwidth kya cheez hai? <laughs> they had no idea about what is bandwidth. <laughs> and here we are, so we knew that this revolution is needed uh, in the country. And since they didn't know what bandwidth was, you'll be surprised we roped in Shammi Kapoor, film actor, to promote internet in India. Oh, wow. He was an internet user. And he was, Apple had given the first, I believe, Apple computer to him as a gift. Okay. And that's how we came to know him and we said, hey, why not we have him as our uh, uh, icons, celebrities, spokesperson to promote internet in India. So we'll go to a telecom department, we, people will come to see him and meet him. In, and then suddenly the whole message of internet would go in. So a number of things we had to do to promote and bring, let's say, uh, internet into India. And then eventually, once the internet came and Reliance dropped the rates, yeah. all lots of sudden things happened by which the infrastructure started developing and the startup revolution took place. Right. So many of these uh, challenges and incidents are unimaginable in today's context, uh, but you <laughs> experienced them firsthand. Uh, what are your thoughts on the startup ecosystem in India today? You will not find a better person than me as an optimist. <laughs> I have seen a snake charmer's country <laughs> reaching the stage. And the kind of talent you see around you, the young people, the restless, energetic, smart, enthusiastic, you see everywhere. I see in tier two cities, I see in tier three cities. I think it just we are in for a big surprises. What these entrepreneurs, I mean both male and female, men and women, are going to bring in over the next 10 years itself. Massive, massive positive. Uh, change the startups would bring to India. Literally, India's every problem will be solved by the startups. Extremely bullish on it. Great. And uh, your opinions on the current um, policies and regulations related to startups? Do you think they can be improved, or are you? Do you think that we're on the right path? We are on the right path. We are, but the. the one big area which government has to attack is the see we are still consumers of technology if you see all our startups are as a consumer as an app driven none of them are on the produce production side none of them are developing original technologies mm-hmm. of them are very few of them are developing algorithm deep tech has just started yeah. but we're not nowhere closer to what it should be we don't combine hardware and software all substantially software driven. 
So big changes required, and that starts at an R&D level in universities, and then percolate to corporate R&D, government R&D, and then coming up and visioning out what are the relevant products, technologies for India, which are expert. Average Indian affordable is so low, like two thousand dollars per capita. You just can't afford. So we need to have products and services which are affordable as well as accessible to billion people. So all that requires a major uh, change to come in from that uh, research and other uh, perspective. Otherwise, on the app side, extreme very well, going great guns. Yes, there are many areas where policymakers don't know, uh, and I've written in my book also that we have to invest a lot in both. capacity and the capabilities of policy makers on the newer technologies be it crypto be it crispr be it you name it there are so many new technologies which we ourselves don't understand well we don't have in that as a country we don't have think tanks who can guide the industries so there are lots of missing pieces there there is not only the regulations then india will grow as a balance i would say a tech powerhouse Right, right. And while we are on the subject of startups, uh, what is that one quality that you feel has helped you as an entrepreneur through the decades? Uh, one quality, I don't know, frankly. I don't think there's one quality. <laughs> that that one main quality that you feel uh, other entrepreneurs should look to inculcate. Tough for me to answer that way. <laughs> one quality, because I have seen at different times, depending on the different challenges, uh, you require different skill set. So maybe I don't know. One would be let's say have an idea, but then do enough some, some proper research to before you launch into your uh, game. That could be one, like my book as an example. But that is not enough because when I started, for example, onward, that was not the thing. There's a very different way of it. There it was more you can say risk-taking ability mm-hmm. of starting onward at that time. Uh, Coming back to India and starting a company is another set of uh, what do you call skills are required. Right. So I don't know. There is no one particular skill I would say, but yeah, curiosity, ability to ask questions. I call it uh, inter- be intellectually honest. In a sense, your own personality should not, your own perception should not drive the decision making. You are very honest in terms of analyzing the. Situation, self-belief. If at all, yeah, self-belief could be one probably. If at all, how to say the one quality? You believe in what you want to do, and then things will start falling in place. Great. And if you had to distill your learnings over the years into three key points, three takeaways for young aspiring entrepreneurs, what would those key learnings be? First, to definitely dream big. There is nothing to, nothing less than that. That to me is very clear that you have to go for take your moonshots, whatever you call it. You have to dream big. To give an example of NASCOM, when we were fifty million dollars, one hundred, whatever, we started dreaming of billion dollar as industry. Even Mr. Vittal, who was a DOE secretary at that point in time, when we were trying to sell our vision of our industry to him. He said, "Do you know how many zeros are in a billion?" But we were. We said, "No, it's a three hundred billion dollar pie. We are here. We need to solve these obstacles. Then we can go to reach a 
billion dollar when we reached billion dollar we had we came with the next goal of 50 billion dollars by 2008 or something when we were 50 billion we started dreaming of 100 billion 100 to 200 today we are at 250 we are now dreaming of 350 somebody is dreaming of 500 different so unless you dream big and then as we say pull the future back you work back and then you let it loose suddenly you realize that you need every stakeholder in the ecosystem what they are supposed to do so like in nascom's case when we realize we need will require assuming this unfold the way we are saying it we will need 10 times 10x the number of people so we wrote the first draft of 20 indian states it policies so they adopted the it policy implemented it so let's say when the java wave came suddenly we had 20 engineering colleges giving us engineers who are trained on java maybe a raw material but it was good enough for us to uh, get started with so like that the what do you call dreaming uh, big helps in terms of your entire uh, planning uh, strategy the second lesson i would say is build a trust for the environment that you are in i have seen it is a nascom and that by building nascom becoming an you can say independent neutral transparent trusted catalyst with the policy makers and all other stakeholders and the industry i we could contribute 30% compounded growth over 30 years now rakesh junjunwala he used to say if you get 18% compounded growth you are a king if you do 21% you are an emperor here industry delivered 31% as uh, 30% now i believe i will give major credit to trust for the environment so because of the trust we had between policy makers and us no complex regulations were brought in to monitor our industry once there is a trust between us and them our entrepreneurs were ready to take risk they knew the government is behind them they will support us so they ventured out in a new country in the world to sell services whatever or new practice they need to develop they'll do so they were reasonably comfortable with innovative from that perspective having a comfort factor that here are the policy makers they'll trust us and we can work with them so like from that perspective building a trust for the environment where let's say Uh, real estate industry one of the stakeholder they trusted our strategic report and that strategic report would project all the numbers for next 5 years plus all the ifs and buts also where the risk factors and so on so. then up to the user to decide what it may so it help real estate planners plan their activities so the what happens is everyone grows in the process So, so the, I would say the building a trust, being a trusted partner or trusted catalyst is very critical. So that was the second lesson. And the third lesson I like to give to young entrepreneurs, especially, is that when you are young and you are at the peak of your career, you should invest 10% of your time. I'm saying at the peak of your career, not when you have made money and you donate money. I'm at the peak of your career, spend 10% of time. in building an ecosystem beyond your company 
the same enthusiasm and energy you have for the exponential growth of your company you invest the same energy to get the exponential great growth of the ecosystem around selflessly collaboratively keeping india first get the single voice so when you put these parameters together what you do is magic i can give us one story how this can help how in the process what happens is you start believing in theory of abundance where when you contribute at ecosystem level the pie gets bigger when the pie gets bigger you have existing players can grow faster as well as allow hundreds of new ones to take part so that's the philosophy behind it that building an ecosystem and growing the pie everyone uh, grows in the process i don't know how much time we have i can how much yeah. do you have yeah i have time absolutely i'll tell you a story here where would be very relevant from that perspective that it's not the money it's the idea creative idea that is required of that entrepreneur in building the ecosystem so going back in early 90s we mnc's saw the performance of our industry they were amazed at the quality of work uh, it industry was doing so they came back to us and said would you propose to the government of india to allow us to come to india with 100% ownership or back off with operation in those days they were not allowed to have 100% maximum they were allowed was 40% we said because of back office work confidential work and uh, is something which we will never farm out so we would prefer to do it on our own would you allow us to set up a 100% unit now at nascom when people or young contributing for 10% of their time for the industry this came up for discussion now you all the so peers competitors tcs infosys wipro around the table now what do you do so first reaction was negative because the natural protection was given by the government so why should we invite our so called competitor to india plus we were worried that they'll take away our people by paying twice the salary plus we were worried that with the existing business we are doing with them under the garb of uh, back office they'll shift it to themselves so we'll lose we'll be hold, left holding the bag but on the other end because we had created that trusted environment i call it with the creative juices flow of the entrepreneurs somebody said no but we will help we will gain a lot by learning from them the quality process and ours are more homegrown quality processes so we can learn from their uh, by they come here their quality processes from infrastructure to development to even marketing and everywhere it's a great learning for us and plus if we build in their mind that india is a place to do business with the other areas which are not given to us we start opening up and that pays huge pay so it's a informed risk we should take but still there was a discomfort why should we allow them to come to india we are not spending any money is only discussions that right? different different meetings taking place same time there was a debate in usa who is us because the japanese company had made major inroads in uh, us at that time that is sony and i don't know the two sony toyota some of those companies and against ibm motorola whirlpool american company the big debate should be how do who is us who is an american so same question came to our council 
hey, who is us who is nasco so in that process somebody came up saying that whoever develops human capital of india is us and who doesn't is not us so allowing mnc's to come in will definitely help build india's human capital so we must allow that we again went back to all the players of the industry they all agreed hey, yes we should go ahead and support this we went to the government of finance ministry we said we would like them to come we recommend you allow 100% ownership to mnc's one of the senior officers said papas desko bechne aa gaye but they were they had the colonial mindset east india company was allowed to come in and then they took over the country so here they were afraid that mnc's will allow them they'll take over and what not uh, somebody said tum kiske dalal ho so they were being were treated very differently with such uh, proposal but we were ready with the data facts analysis why we should allow them to come in and they approved they allowed them to come in now that single decision as today we have 1800 r&d centers in india they employ 1.2 million software engineers some of them are already part of you can say representing the board and co creating future for their parent companies and there is a beautiful was an excellent symbiotic relationship between that segment and the it industry both grew over the last uh, 30 years uh, in the process gaining building capabilities and all, as you know how the exchange that takes place among various players uh, of the industry so when that 10% contribution creative juices flowing keeping india first and taking a hard fork not afraid of competition not afraid of multinationals so that conviction confidence comes when you are young and when you are and which is what you do it for your company anyway you would like that to come at a ecosystem level once ecosystem comes it develops the entire everybody can grow in the process so that will be my third message it is invest 10% of your time at the peak of your career in strengthening the ecosystem incredible and uh, all the values that uh, you know you've demonstrated dream big build an environment of trust uh, build the ecosystem they're all values that you've lived so it's it's really incredible to see the stories that you've shared are uh, extremely interesting uh, and uh, i i'd like to ask you another question uh, on a similar note uh, given that you are a visionary uh you're always looking ahead where do you see digital india in the next say 50 years oh i not my strength as a i'm not a visionary i'm not a futurist that way. i'm an optimist like you can say that but yeah i in my book also i describe i see india changing becoming i'm not saying digital india becoming soneki chidiya version 2.0 okay <laughs> So from 100% literacy, it's not only the technology piece; it is all yeah. the other pieces socially uh, as to be developing technology with compassion as to again uh, develop. So I describe briefly some of uh, those uh, points. But yeah, Soneki Chidiya version 2 daughter would be my vision uh, in not 50 years, but maybe 10 to 15 years from now. 
great great uh, and on a similar note uh, i would like to know your views on artificial intelligence since we are talking about digital india there is a lot of uh, talk and speculation about ai and the possible effects it can have on various things like job creation and so on and so forth so how do you view ai as i i'm saying before also i'm an optimist so i would all out go and support ai yes i agree it's a different piece of animal in a sense that it's not something that can be controlled so regulations are absolutely must because it can create havoc in terms of both ethical social when you look at many other uh, consider it can do a lot of damage it can be job creation i'm not so much concerned right now in a sense that yes it will have an impact but on the other end i believe lot many more new jobs also yes. will be uh, created where it will get created how i do not know and i'm just as i'm saying i'm an optimist i'm a positive person i like if you look at the automation that happened early 1980s and 90s in us because of that automation the indian outsourcing industry took off we ended up creating 5 million jobs on the automation by those customers correct this ai automation also i'm hoping let us figure out how it will yeah. what changes it will come and where it will come and how and how it will create livelihood for every indian but it's a challenge i'm not even denying it but on the other end the power is so much it, it has potential to change every segment multiple ियलीस्ट माई नेम इज मनाली